1: Yeah, welcome back to the Supercoach365 podcast. We've just spoken all about our uh, takes and our reactions to this morning's uh, rule changes, or I guess the way that the game will be changed and played differently in season 2022, Tommy. But let's dive right into this now. This is why everyone's here. Uh, we're going to run the eye over the 5.8s and the half backs. We'll start with the number sixes. Um, and when we had this conversation this time last year, we said it was a race in two. Uh, we had Cody Walker and Cameron Munster at top of the tree. Cody finished right at the very top of that tree, but there were some breakout stars over the course of the season, which we'll get to here. But um, I guess it just shows you that our initial thoughts at the start of the season—they can, sorry—they <laughs> can quickly change.
2: Yeah, they can, and I'm sure the start of the thoughts, sorry, we have today will change in the coming months. But you know, Cody Walker, as you mentioned there. I think we were pretty keen on him last year especially with south we kind of just thought it was the perfect storm for south and it almost was and walker was the star of the show there he went even better than we thought and i think he's first come off the rank again this year yeah you'll see uh
1: his numbers on your screen now as you watch us and 22 games last year 83.8 points per game so just round up to 84 there comes in at the best or position one rank for the five eights but with that rank, Tommy comes an expensive uh, expensive uh, price tag and a tough start to the year for Souths. Their first three fixtures, not easy. So what are we doing with Cody Walker? You'd love to have him from round one, but it just may not be possible this time around.
2: Yeah, it is a hefty price tag, as you say, but obviously to be expected with his amazing form last year, I think there's a few potential cautionary tales with Walker this year. I think no reynolds is a massive one i think reynolds helped walker have that freedom last year reynolds is such a organizing halfback whereas this year walker probably paired with maybe blake taff taff or uh, lachlan Ilias, and both of those guys are rookies so i don't think walker might have not might not have the uh the same freedom as he did last year and therefore i might go around him i think
1: yeah and definitely and it was something that we said you know, from the moment that we heard that uh, Reynolds was on his way to Brisbane was how would this impact Souths because he has been their general for a decade plus and Cody Walker, particularly from 2016 onwards when he made his debut, he's shaped the Souths' attack but in no small part to Adam Reynolds and we say they're left side dominant but I, I don't think that they can make that happen without what Reynolds does to get them to certain points on the field so that they can open up the left and, and go Walker, Latrell last year, Alex Johnston it may not be the way uh, it pans out for Souths this year, but on that Souths um, Premiership window, with Reynolds going, does it close? Or you know, does that matter? Is that a, is that a consideration for Souths, or is it a consideration for Super Coaches? Because what are the flow-on effects then? If Souths aren't scoring as many points, perhaps their games are tighter, they're conceding more, Cody's less dominant. Plenty of things to consider.
2: Yeah, I'm willing to say that the window is shut. I know that could be a big call, but They've made the prelim finals, what, the last four years? Uh, grand final last year, nearly won. Bennett's gone. Reynolds is gone. I don't know. I just don't think they can uh, They can win it now. What about you?
1: Well, Mark Nichols goes as well next year, so that's another big loss. Um, and, you know, of course, uh, you know, rookie coach, you could say. You've already mentioned two rookie halves. Latrell, I think he'll stick around. Did he? I think he signed an extension, so they're obviously building the squad around... Uh, the six and the one as well. But yeah, in terms of getting to a premiership, you need a good number seven. So uh, you'll see, who knows? You know, they, These two might emerge as genuine front-running halfbacks. Uh, we'll find that out very, very quickly as well. We've already mentioned a couple of uh, those names away from Walker, and we'll get to Munster in a moment. But one man who stood out last year that we didn't really... Foresee it. obviously knew he had some talent, but didn't pick him to be the number two five, eight to come the end of the year, and we're talking about Adam Dewey.
2: No, he was a bolt from the blue, Adam Dewey. Uh, I know you picked him up about probably halfway through the year. You started singing his praises, and he really did well in that 5-8 throw at the Tigers. He was their best player, you know, easily. But obviously there's some big asterisks there this year. Um, the injury, we're not expecting back till maybe around round six or even later, are we?
1: Yeah, it could be later. I think, when did he do that ACL? Around 24, 25? It was um, pretty late on in the season as well. So he's definitely in that basket of a wait and see. Um, Yeah, your numbers on your screen there, phenomenal. 77 points per game, ranked two overall. He won't be there for those first three matches that the West Tigers have to start the year. But 20 appearances last year, up until that injury, he was a mainstay in that team. So... Definitely the the focal point of the West Tigers attack, he was. So, Tigers, we expected them to struggle last year. He was by far and away the shining light that probably stopped them from getting the wooden spoon like we tipped them to get before a ball was kicked.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He was their best, as I said before. But again, this year, with him missing the first chunk of the season, you'll probably see Brooks and Hastings in the halves. Where does Dewey come back into the team? Will it be in the centres?
1: Yeah, question marks there. Uh, he maintains that dual position eligibility this time around, although it's different. Last year he was fullback 5'8", This year 5'8", center wing. So if he was there from round one, suddenly he's a real, you know, comes right into calculations for super coaches because I think yes, it's a hefty price tag seven hundred sorry six hundred and seventy five thousand dollars to spend on a uh, center winger, but compare that with uh, Brian To'o, uh, Ruben Garrick. These types, he's actually cheaper that centre wing slot given his output, and you know, as we say, the focal point of the Tigers' attack, he was always going to have his hands on the ball again in, in season 2022.
2: Yeah, it is just a pity about the injury because I, I don't think I can consider him for the side of the year really. Maybe you could sneak him in late in a draft before people are thinking about him, but uh yeah, as far as classic goes, I'd just be you know waiting around for a little while until I uh, think about him doing.
1: Yeah, not classic relevant until we hear word from the West Tigers that he will be back. But I think as um, as recent as last week, he started running. So four months post-surgery. I don't know what the return to play is. Could be six, seven months. Uh, stay up to date with the NRL physio. Uh, he'll sort you out. No, not Supercoach365 on that one. Uh, let's move on. Another one of those breakout names. Again, five-eighth eligible this year. Didn't play a hell of a lot at number six last year. But Matt Burton change of clubs and a change of role this season I see his points per game there last year around 66 a lot of that was fueled by the amount of tries he was scoring so the change of role at the Bulldogs it'll definitely shape his output this time around
2: yeah I'm not sure about Matty Burton I reckon he's a massively unknown quantity obviously he played well In a few games, he's played in the halves for Penrith, but it's pretty different steering the Panthers around compared to the Bulldogs, even though they have some new signings. So, yeah, I don't know. I probably want to watch him play first and watch the Dogs and see if they're any better.
1: He has had limited opportunities in the halves at his time at the Panthers. So it's something that isn't completely foreign, but the responsibilities of doing that week in, week out is just something he's not been charged to do. So how that pans out over the course of 25 rounds. Does he play origin as well? Now, it sounds silly, but he has that versatility. We've seen that already in his time in first grade. He could be the perfect number 14 for Brad Fittler because he can cover center, can cover the halves. At a pinch, he could even throw him in the back row. Covers a multitude of positions. And I think he was pretty close to the squad last year. So might be a bold call now, January 25. But come June, if he is playing well, it's a real possibility, I think.
2: Oh, yeah. It is, his ceiling is, uh, he has a massive ceiling, like his potential is huge. It's just, I don't know, I kind of, being maybe a bit negative about him, but just going to the dogs, he's going to have a big task there, he's going to be their main playmaker, and they've got got a better team this year, but you know, they still haven't played finals for a long time, so he's going to have a big job ahead of him.
1: Yeah, just bring his fixtures up one more time there. You'll see round one uh, away to the Cowboys. Maybe not as dawning a proposition as it is weeks two and three against what we think will be a somewhat improved Broncos team and then a top four contender in Manly. So uh, if you are playing with the Bulldogs, you really want to be targeting those first two weeks. Well, hoping that those first two weeks, uh, you know, packing some points, particularly for Matt Burton uh, at that price tag of about $570,000. Now, Tommy, um, number two rank, or what we thought would have been the number two rank, Cameron Munster. Um the numbers here suggest he's the fourth best five eighth in in, in the new season, but I guess going off what we've seen uh, you know, for the last seven years in the NRL, Cameron Munster, he is probably one of the best, if not the best, number six going around in the game.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll go back to what we said pre-season last year and we really had a, a race in two between Munster and Walker and Walker was a lot better last year like Munster I don't know he's never looked comfortable last year His average was quite high still 74 but I don't know he just didn't see him himself and then as we saw in the off-season, he had some issues but I don't know I like the narrative this year I think it's a redemption story he's uh he's fitter than ever he's off the drink he's got a new child I'm buying it and I'm going to be putting him in my team
1: Wow, okay, so Tommy's all over the Cameron Munster train. Uh, Round one, he won't be there, so what are you doing? Are you going to have him from round one? Because that's definitely a consideration. You're spending upwards of $640,000 on a player who's not going to be there for round one. Interesting.
2: I know, and it is against the West Tigers, which he probably would have got 80 or something, so that is disappointing. But I just think, long-term, he's the 5'8th I want to have this year. I've got my reservations about Walker, and probably about the other the other 5.8s. I don't think it's a strong list, really. But I think Munster, he's in for a big year. I really do.
1: Absolutely. And you've got to trust your gut. And that's something that we've said countless times on this podcast this year and last year already um back your gut back your instinct trade and and play with the team most importantly it's it's fun right at the end of the day have a bit of fun with it in play with the players that you want to support and that you're interested in watching week in week out and if cameron munster is that player for you i'm not going to talk you out of it because yeah i agree with you come seasons end, if he is fit and does play 20 plus games i think without doubt he is in the top two five eights come the year end, um you mentioned that he's fitter than ever Is he more mature than ever? Because you said, you know, new dad now as well. He maybe takes on a different role there. And the Storm, they're going to have to start preparing to lose some of these more influential leadership types because Brandon Smith's on his way out the door. Uh, Jesse Bromwich as well on his way to the Dolphins. And I think as recent as this afternoon, news that Kenny Bromwich, brother of Jesse, will be joining him at the Dolphins as well.
2: Yeah, it's a big year for Munster, I think, to, I guess, win back the trust of his players and the fans after last year and he's you know he's a senior member of that team he's out of the leadership group now because of what he did but he with like you said there are a lot of players leaving it's on him to you know really unite the team and i just i hope i think and i hope that he will thrive under this extra responsibility
1: yeah and i mean he's capable we've seen it at the highest level for both australia and queensland uh, when he's put on the representative jersey so we know he can do it it's just a matter of piecing the puzzles Uh, together for Munster this year. And that season average of 74 points per game last year, you said at the top, you thought it was one of his worst years in his career. Um, Well, if not one of his worst years, maybe one of his more quiet years anyway. So if he's scoring 75 points close enough week on week and he's not that noticeable in a team of stars suddenly, if he is the you know the man taking three Dalian points more often than a Ryan Pappenhausen or a Jerome Hughes or Harry Grant, whoever it is, that average you'd suggest would be upwards of 80. So, big year for Cameron Munster and a big year for the Melbourne Storm as well as they look to sort of bounce back because, I mean, they, they won 19 straight games or whatever it was last year and then it was just folding towards the back end of the year. I know they saved their worst performance until their last game, but the Panthers just too good at the end. Uh, next 5-8 that we're going to talk about here, Luke Keery. Uh, massive year for Luke Keery and speak of teams looking to get back into title contention, the Roosters are exactly that and this man you'd think would be key to all of that.
2: Yeah, back after the, uh, the unfortunate injury last year, he was looking really good at the start of the last season. Averaging 75 in just the three games. So, look, it's been a long time off, off the park for Kiri and he's had concussion issues in the past as well. So there's a few, you know, asterisks there. Uh, but I don't know, I'm pretty keen on the rooster this I think he'll go pretty well. Probably the only other thing I'd say is, you know, even when he was fully fit, he only really averaged a maximum score of uh, 61 points per game across the 2017 to 2020 season. So he has never been a historically massive scorer on Supercoach. So you'd have to take that into consideration for sure. It's funny. I spoke
1: with um, Trent Robinson in the off season and I asked him about Luke Keery and and what it meant to have Keery coming back into the fold this year. And I looked at it because he's a senior head. Now you look at his face and he looks, you know, 1920, but he is a senior head. He has to guide Sam Walker around the field. Um, And, For the first time in his career, this might be a bit of a controversial hot take as well, but I think for the first time in his career this year, he is finally the dominant playmaker. I mean, you look at the players he's played with in in years gone by. Cooper Cronk, the obvious one in those premiership years. But even before that at South Sydney, he had Adam Reynolds by his side, who I think at that time was pulling the strings. And Kiri probably didn't get the recognition that he deserved as well. But I think this was the year where... Kiri has to stand up. We mentioned about Munster there about growing a leg. Then Kiri has to do that for the Roosters, I feel, to take some of that pressure off Tedesco and uh, the younger spine members there as well.
2: Yeah, he's probably the, the senior member of that spine there at the Roosters. But um, you do talk about Tedesco and Walker. They're, they're very involved players. So I don't think Kiri is going to be that quarterback sort of playmaker that they talk about these days who's just dominating every play. I think Walker really likes getting his hands on the ball. And Tedesco, you can't keep him, out, keep him out of the play either. So I think they'll probably share it around those three.
1: Yeah. Uh, what are we doing with Kiri, though, Tommy? Let's, let's flick on a Super supercoach mode for a sec because he's dual position eligible, gets in at a cut price, $528,000. So compared to those likes of Munster and, uh, I guess, Dewey when he's back and fit and Cody Walker, obviously, he is significantly more cheaper. I think he's going to be a very popular pick. Uh, and the question I've had already a couple of times um, in the DMs is Keery or his Roosters' teammate Sam Walker. I think they're similarly priced. Walker may kick goals. But looking at Keery, what are you doing with him? I think you've already said you're you're on the Munster train. But if you're playing away from Munster, would Keery be the next
2: best? Uh, probably not for me. Um, I do think he will have a good hand in the Roosters' form and whatnot. But I don't know. I just can't go. I'll go back to the scores he used to post. Never really getting over 60 as his average, that's probably not going to cut it uh, in this position.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I've got him in for now, but purely at the price. I think I think he's priced considerably cheaper than what he would have been, and obviously that's because he's coming back off an injury. but I think there's value there, and those first three fixtures as well, two games at home. He could do anything against the Knights round one. That could be 100-plus, easily. A couple of try assists, uh, a try, I don't know. Uh, we saw the way that he played against the West Tigers in round three, I think it was last year. Picked those guys apart. And if we're tipping the Knights to be bottom four, he could be off to a flying start, Luke Kiry. And come round two, round three, he may not ha- need a massive score to, to make some cash early. And then if you want to trade him out as... I actually think the Roosters draw opens up a little bit from round five to eight. I think they've got the easiest draw in that period, um, quote-unquote. Check that Instagram post we put up about the uh, draw analysis. I think the computer spat out that the Roosters had the easiest draw in rounds five to eight as well. So if you want to persist with Kiri, suddenly you're getting to rounds nine to 12 in that origin block preparing, and you could be upwards $600,000. I don't know. That's the way I looked at that anyway. I'm, I'm willing to persist through those first four weeks to hopefully reap some rewards after that.
2: Yeah, no, you make a good point. Uh, he's definitely a capable player. Maybe maybe I could pick him up for round one and then move on to Munster in round two when he returns. I don't know. But uh, he's a good option, mate. Uh, there's a lot of good options here. Uh, but I'm just going with, with Munster for now. But let's get into a couple more. Next one off the rank is
1: Alexander Brimson. Um, AJ Brimson, of course, moving to 58 this year for the Titans after spending, you know, well, all of his career, really, that we've seen at fullback. Um, how do you see this panning out, Tommy? We've seen this experiment before with Caelan Ponga at the Knights where they shift from one to six and I guess, different stages. And Matt Moylan, another one that springs to mind. But Brimson, he's probably more dynamic than, than Moylan, obviously. But you could maybe line him up alongside Ponga as trying to replicate that in any anyway.
2: I've honestly got no idea about Rimson, hey? Like, I've just... He's not really been a player I've watched closely over the last few years, so I just don't have a strong opinion on him. Um, back to 5'8", it doesn't seem like the biggest move anymore. A lot of players seem to do it with ease, and I think he should be right with it. Uh, Toby Sexton as halfback, is he strong enough to kind of give Brimson the space he needs? I don't know. Uh, I'll probably go around him, but there is worse options.
1: Yeah, and... I guess uh, a mixed fixture list to start there as well. The yields defensively pretty solid in, in the past couple of seasons at least. Then the Warriors and the Raiders, so that could be really anything. And probably three games which then... I don't want to say they're not going to post a hell of a lot of points, but it could be even tight games, those ones, looking at it uh, the way we see it now anyway. Uh, 60 average last year, and yeah, you mentioned the young spine he's going to have to sort of play a senior role in that, albeit being so young himself, because he has played Origin before. So uh, Alexander Brimson, definitely a watch, but for mind, yeah, I'll be playing around him early. But if he does burst out of the blocks and, and suddenly there's a case to get him in, uh, making some cash, again, using that trade boost, targeting uh, players, making cash so you can eventually get to Cody Walker, uh, could be one way of going about it. Next man that could make you some cash because he gets in pretty cheap this year is... The prodigal son returns home. Sean Johnson, 5'8", halfback, $450,000. Only the 10 games last year, coming back uh, from that injury he suffered in season 2020, that ruptured Achilles. Uh, Pretty low average by Sean Johnson's standards. Gets him in at the 14th uh, position rank. But some tasty fixtures to start for the Warriors.
2: Yeah, those fixtures really jump off the page to me. And uh, that average last year really impacted by his injuries and And just the injuries there's so many times we went off halfway through the game and he was only on 40 or something so not really a true indication Um, but before that years gone by you know consistent average in the 60s and even 70s one of the years so look if I am to maybe start without Munster and then move to Munster with those fixtures there maybe Sean Johnson is the man to start with
1: yeah I'm um, not going to talk you out of it, and it's funny because we sat here the other day on our fullbacks preview. If you haven't seen it, you haven't listened to it, jump over to YouTube or Spotify, go over and listen to it. We sat here talking up, well, I did anyway, Reese Walsh, saying you know, he's going to come firing out of the blocks, easy first three games. Apparently, he suspended rounds one and two, so it shows you how much research we do here. Uh, usually better than that, but in saying that, you mentioned Johnson's output in the last couple of years aided largely by his goal kicking. Now, he wasn't doing that um, for the bulk of his games last year. I think the Sharks handed the kicking tee to Trindle, uh, maybe someone else at different stages as well because they were easing him back in from that uh, Achilles injury. So, if Walsh is out, and I thought Walsh should be kicking goals, that's why I liked him so much, but if Walsh is out and if um, Harris Tavita's is not there, then maybe Johnston takes the tee, Johnston rather, uh, takes the kicking tee back. I think it definitely helps his cause um, because... Usually he kicks three, four, maybe even five goals a game. Suddenly there's 20 extra points in that average. Uh, bring it up one more time of 52.7. Suddenly that's closer to
2: 72.7. No, exactly. The goal kick would be a massive, uh, massive coup for him as well. But, yeah, Just those first games, they're all, all going to be in Queensland, probably hot. He, he could really rip up those opponents. So I'm actually pretty excited now to maybe uh, tinker with my side and possibly get him in. Uh,
1: last name here uh, in the five-eighths rank before we take a quick break, but uh, cheapies. Now, all of those options there, you know, considerably gun price or mid-range price, whatever way you look at it, but in a position which lacks some real out-and-out cheap options, this is one of them, and I think you'll be a very, very popular pick, be it at 5.8 or center wing, uh, wherever he is eligible as well.
2: Yeah, he's a bit of an unknown, uh, Mr. Amone. But last year, you know, I think there was one game against Penrith. It could have been. He played really well. I think he scored a try. That kind of put him on the map a little bit for me. I don't know a lot about him. But like you said, there's not a lot of cheapies in this position. Possibly one we haven't mentioned is Lachlan Ilias, who's eligible here. But but, Taylor Talmon, I think, like you said, he'll be pretty popular. I think you'll see a high owner percentage for sure
1: and coincidentally plays his first game against Sean Johnson and the Warriors as well. So a battle of the experience versus, well, largely a rookie. But yeah, you say you don't know much about him. He touted as a young gun coming through the junior rep system. I think he won the SG Ball 2019 with uh, the Illawarra side. And in that side as well was um, Bud Sullivan and uh, Sloan. As well, So uh, those three guys have obviously made the progression through to the NRL uh, and how they develop, well, that remains to be seen. So I guess wrapping that up, Tommy, uh, sounds like you're sticking with Cameron Munster, but for the listeners and the viewers as well, there's a number of options there that they could sink their teeth into.
2: Yeah, there is. And I guess Munster does miss week one. So it is a big factor. Maybe you could look at starting with someone else and working towards him. Uh, Have you settled on who you're going with? mr keery <laughs> keery for now yeah
1: but um i think johnston as johnson rather sorry i keep calling him johnston sean johnson may um provide some value there pending the goal kicking so watch the trials would be my advice there if he is confident enough to take the t definitely i think he's 20 points maybe maybe that's generous 15 points under value there at that price um, but otherwise, I think Kiri, safe bet. And if the rules aren't, um, well, the rule changes around six again, don't impact the Roosters too much, I think they're going to be a top two team. So expecting plenty of points out of the Roosters in 2022. Uh, stick with us. We're going to take a short break. Coming up after the break, we'll chat all things halfback. Having a bet on sport this week? Top this. Whether you're into cricket and curling or golf and greyhounds, Top Sport will let you on for plenty. And with literally hundreds of markets from your own backyard to the international stage, Top Sport has you well covered. So if you want to get the top odds every time, bet with Top Sport. Top that. Download the app today. Top Sport. Feel the excitement. Don't let the gameplay you stay in control. Gamble responsibly. Yes, welcome back to the Supercoach 365 podcast. We do it for topsport.com.au. Uh, if you are um, fancying having a, a punt on the NRL this year, you'll see all the futures markets uh, scrolling across the bottom of your screen on YouTube. Some good value there. Uh, but if you are listening to us and you do want to jump on and, and have a look at the prices, you can do so. Just go to our Instagram, click the link in our bio. You can uh, get on there. Tristan and the team will know that uh, we've sent you along. Uh, make an account and uh, deposit, and they'll look after you, I'm sure. They'll they'll look after you anyway. So uh, do that, topsport.com.au. Great to have their support again in season 2022. If you are having a play, do so responsibly. Tommy, let's talk halfbacks. That's why, well, another one of the big reasons why everyone's here. And the man that sort of leads the charge, he leads it by a long way, Nathan Cleary. He was just out and out the best in the position by some distance last year.
2: Yeah, two years in a row, he's been clearly the best halfback on Supercoach and in the game. Uh, Like Obviously, the other day we spoke about Turbo and his high price tag. Cleary also very highly priced, and I don't know if he's going to be able to get both Cleary and Turbo in their team. Uh, But I think Cleary is possibly more important. I just think there's less depth in the halfback slot than there is in fullback.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll uh, echo those sentiments there as well. If he did have to pick one over the other, I'd probably lean towards Cleary. Um, Only because, as you say there, the depth in the position. We've pulled some numbers out here. Uh, He's about 30 points per game better than the next best halfback, and that's Daily Cherry Evans. We'll chat DCE in a moment. Um, 51 points per game better, 51 if you don't mind, than the average halfback. Now, you might ask, what's the average halfback? Well, we've crunched the numbers. Um, the average halfback played... Well, the average player in the NRL last year played about 11 and a half games. That's of 640 players. So let's call that 12. Um, so halfbacks who have their primary position as halfback on Supercoach with 12-plus games in 2021, Cleary is 51 points per game better than that player. So you think of a draft league especially, uh, we're talking then the the halfback that's top of the waivers, essentially.
2: Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Look... I don't know what you've said there. <laughs> it was a bit confusing, but I, I followed you. But it, it just shows how incredible he is. And whereas I'm not saying Turbo's form last year was a one-season wonder by any means, I'm sure he's going to be incredible again. I just think Manly on that role. But I think whereas Penrith, they're kind of just going to be good for a long time. They've got so many young players, and he's the focal point of that. Nathan Cleary, he's always going to be involved. And I just think goal-kicking as well. He's pretty much foolproof.
1: Yeah, 4.7 goals per game. That's an equal NRL best, well, last year anyway, with Adam Reynolds. Uh, so I expect that number to drop somewhat for Adam Reynolds this year, given the Broncos not as competitive as South Sydney, you'd imagine. Cleary, you mentioned hands on the ball, 70 receipts per game last year. Now, the next best halfback eligible supercoach player that's currently active, so not Mitchell Pierce, uh, was Luke Brooks. And Luke Keery with 60 possessions per game. So Cleary, on average, is touching the ball 10 more times a game than the next best halfback. 21 try assists last year at 1.3 try assists per game. That's the best in the NRL. And you mentioned his goal-kicking already. Career goals at 84%, 423 from 504. He just doesn't miss.
2: No, his goal kicking's always been a massive factor. His dad was a goal-kicker as well, Ivan. So... Yeah, look, I don't think there's much more I can say. Really, he's the first person I put in my team. First person I put in my team last year too. I just think you don't have him, you're not going to win. So yeah, Nathan Cleary for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm with you as well. Uh, We'll chat the other options here. If you can't afford Cleary or you want to play away from Cleary and you think well he might have a slow start to the year, I'm happy to play around him. Obviously coming back from that shoulder injury as well, which he suffered last year. uh, Will he be there for round one? We think so. Uh, Having a look at his fixtures of just very quickly again. Uh, Manly in round one, that one's at uh, Panthers Stadium, then the Dragons and the Knights, so they get through that round one fixture, okay-ish suddenly he opens up the draw a little bit, rounds two and three, and that average of 108, I I can see him bettering that even, it sounds silly, but I I think just hands on the ball, Panthers I think they can go to another gear this year Uh, yeah, I can see Cleary just dominating the way he did last year and maybe even more so
2: yeah, I don't know if he can top 108, but you won't. He may not need to. But like you said, um, Penrith, there's no reason why they won't be massive factors again. Like I said before, massively a young side. They're all kind of mates off the field and you just tell they're a unit and it's just going to bode well for years to come. So, I mean, if you could sign Supercoach players on four or five-year deals, you'd sign Nathan Cleary first, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, you'd never let him out of your team. Um, there would be no off-season. He'd be playing 365 days a year. Uh, <laughs> number two on that list... In a lot of those statistics that we mentioned there, uh, was this man Daily Cherry Evans? Twenty-two games last year, an average closer to eighty. And uh, his position rank says one there, but obviously we've got that wrong. His position rank's two. Um, he falls in behind Daily Cherry Evans. Uh, sorry, uh, Nathan Cleary and six hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars. At the price, he's significantly cheaper than Nathan Cleary is, but. Again, a tough start to the year with uh, the Panthers and Roosters in their first two games. And there's a couple of asterisks next to Cherry Evans as well, Tommy.
2: Yeah, there is no goal kickings a big one. Obviously, Cleary has that over him. Cherry Evans scores last year, though. Obviously, with Manly going on that run, I'm just looking at it now, I think it's about seven or eight there above 100, a few above 150. Um he had a massive year he had a really slow start but so did everyone at manly so look that probably tells you that he's kind of relying a little bit on i guess turbo's form i would say uh so maybe that's a selling point for dc if you can't get turbo at least you get someone from that manly setup and maybe you get dca yeah
1: uh looking at that draft lens maybe even more so than a classic perspective there as well you mentioned turbo what uh what an an influence he is upon Cherry Evans's game, not only in the NRL but also on Supercoach. Look at these numbers here: Turbo Charge performances from Cherry Evans. 87.1 points per game he averages when Trbojevic is in the team. See the numbers there. 17 games last year, so a big sample size. And in the five games without Turbo, um, to start the year, there might have even been another one towards the back end of the year. I think, although they both were out, I think round 17. But 52.8 points per game, so that average. And that output suddenly drops quite significantly. And we mentioned that average halfback, 51 points per game, uh, better or worse off than Cleary. That's about that number there, 52.8. So just shows you that the impact which Turbo has on all players in that manly team, but maybe none more so than Cherry Evans. Maybe Ruben Garrick aside.
2: Yeah, I was going to say Ruben Garrick, who obviously gets when we talk about the backs, but. Yeah, I suppose that is an issue. If Turbo was to go down, which we all hope and pray he doesn't, but if he was, uh, DCA would be a sell, really. So, yeah, there's a few things there which mean he isn't as good as Cleary, but then again, you're paying $300,000 less. So, I don't know. You do the math. Career
1: average, uh, sorry, yeah, career average, or at least from 2017 to 2020, hovered around that mid-60s and suddenly Manly arguably have their greatest season on record since they won the Premiership in 2011. I don't think it's a coincidence that suddenly Cherry Evans leaps up to closer to that average of 80. A career year it was for Tommy Turbo. You could say maybe Cherry Evans, and so too it was this man. Uh, Or be it a short career, in fact. But Nico Hines uh, moves to Cronulla. We mentioned that change of role for Matt Burton at a new club. That's exactly what we're going to see here with Nico Hines as well. Dual position, he retains that this year, but he loses that center wing eligibility, Tommy, uh, which is important because I feel a lot of the... The value in Hines last year was playing him through the centers because effectively you had three gun fullbacks in your side at any one time. Nico Hines, 22 games last year, 78.2 average. He comes in here as the third best halfback. Phenomenal to say that about a guy who this time last year we wouldn't have even rated a mention.
2: Well, has he even played halfback in the NRL? It's it's quite crazy that he's going to the Sharks to play a halfback when he's never really even played halfback. I think... It's a bit of a a risk from the Sharks. It's a bit of a risk to have him on Supercoach. I think, like you said last year, CTW was his spot for Supercoaches because there wasn't a great deal of options there. And then you had Hines just making so much money every week with his scores. Uh, So, look, I'm going to just wait and see with him, wait and see how he goes in a new club. Players who leave the storm often don't go on to bigger and better things. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see how he goes. And suddenly he's gone from having that
1: flexibility to float both sides, be it in that fullback role or when he did come off the bench at the Storm. Now he's the general, right? He's he's conducting the traffic, and he will be the one that will be freeing up other players. So that average that was closer to eighty may not rate anywhere near that this year. Um, at least watch it anyway. See how he goes in the trials. Could be, uh, you know, could be Matt Moylan playing more as that organizer type role in the traditional number seven Hines gets the the chance to float in Rome goal kicking as well I think that propped up his average last year will he kick goals at the Sharks I think he will uh uh, Brayden Trindle seems to be on the outer Tommy and I know you've got big raps on Trindle
2: oh yeah I just thought he was pretty solid last year I had him in draft for a little bit and he did a good job for me some bit biased probably but um Look, I want Moylan also because I was keen to get him somewhere in my setup too. So I don't know what they're going to do there, really. I think Hines obviously is guaranteed a spot somewhere in the halves. Um, but then again, it would just be interesting to see how he goes because he was so good last year playing at the Storm, who we were winning by 40 every week. He was just at the back having the time of his life. It's going to be a bit different, you know, organising a team who probably will be battling around top eight spots
1: do you have him in that trap category to start the year? Is he a stay away or is he just a sort of a a wait and see? If if people are playing this game last year and they thought Nico Hines was such a good player and maybe they're not as familiar with his change of role and what that may
2: mean, do you do you see him as a genuine trap option to start the year? I think so. I think that average of 78 is misleading. I, I can't see how he would possibly get 78 average again unless he... Unless we've just massively underrated him. But like he had it, he had, uh, made the suit last year with everything going in his way. So I just don't see how he can reach those heights again, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Played in um, a very, very dominant team for, for 19 straight games. I think we said that they came out with the two points. And influential in all of that was this man as well, Jerome Hughes. $640,000 thereabouts to start season 2022. 22 appearances last year. He was a mainstay in that team. 73 points per game um, Comes in here Pretty tidy up the list himself And games against the Tigers The Rabbitohs And the Eels To start the season Could be some points on offer there uh, Round one particularly
2: Yeah absolutely if, uh, if you can't afford Cleary Or if Cleary's ruled out Of the early rounds With that injury Well Hughes would be My next man to go to um, He comes out of that Strong Storm team That we just spoke of But his role doesn't change He stays there He's still the halfback He was so good last year And I think he's the genuine uh, sort of next pick other than Cleary.
1: Yeah, a few notes I've made here. I think he's now a genuine number seven. Genuine in the new sense. He's not the general like a Cleary or, you know, you think back, even Cherry Evan to an extent or, you know, years gone by, sort of that organizer, the Adam Reynolds, and before that, uh, you know, Joey springs to mind, obviously. But the way that the, the game is played these days with the running halves, he's now a genuine number seven, I feel. Uh, the rule changes have made him a better player we've seen that i think year on year he just keeps getting better jerome hughes and more points the storm have changed the way that they play the game as well they're more of an attacking mindset of team than they had been in that glory the, the, i was going to say the glory years of the storm but i think we're still living in the, the, those years really and i guess the only knock on jerome hughes that i can see here is well besides being in the same position as nathan Cleary, he doesn't play round 13. So whereas you'd usually get some value out of these uh, New Zealand halves, um, thinking that Cleary and uh, um, Cherry Evans will probably be in origin camp at that time, unfortunately Hughes isn't an option in round 13. So uh, that could make someone like uh, a Hines or a Luke Kiry maybe, if you want to flip that dual position eligibility, someone like those types, even more valuable come the middle part of the year.
2: No, that's a good point as well. You gotta, If you want to take Supercoach seriously, I guess you've got to look ahead things like that the the crunch sort of rounds where there's a lot of players missing but i think going back to what you said before like he is a genuine seven now obviously at the start of, the start of his career we weren't really sure where he was going to end up there would be the one or the seven but um now nah, he's he's one of the game's premier sevens now and i think like i said before if you can't get clear you go for hughes
1: now i have already spoken about the the best halfback in the game And that, of course, is Nathan Cleary. But if you are playing away from Cleary and those more expensive types that we've mentioned there, Hughes, uh, Cherry Evans, Hines, the next man on the list could prove some real value, Tommy. Now, only a small sample size to go off last year, but Toby Sexton, 62-point-per-game average. It's pretty handy from uh, what was a rookie seven at the time.
2: Yeah, um, he was a surprise packer. He looked good in his four games, I think, I picked him up in a draft league for those four games and he did a really good job I just I just needed someone to fill a hole and he did more than that so yeah look the first uh getting a getting a full season here under his belt with Brimson in the halves could be a sneaky good uh halves pairing there at the Titans
1: they're going to be scoring points I think for sure um maybe not in those first couple of games there And, and I think traditionally they're They just seem to start the year slow, the Titans. They sort of build a little bit. And, of course, I think it was 2020 they finished the year with five straight wins. Five or six. Could have even been more. And uh, you mentioned Brimson. He was influential in all of that. The good form of the Titans just gone to get them into the finals came largely off the back of Sexton. And it's a real vote of confidence in the young fellas' game that they were willing to move on what looked the general of the team, Jamal Fogarty, to the Raiders. So they've put all their eggs in the Sexton basket kicks goals as well yeah it's a young spine but it has the potential to be something pretty special
2: it does and uh they obviously moved on ash taylor as well so there's a lot of halves there that they've got rid of and they're putting their full trust in toby sexton i, I don't know he is a little bit of a risk so i think like he only did play four games last year so you're going off not much it was the back end of the year i don't know I'd rather just wait and see how he goes, but he is pretty cheaply priced. So uh, maybe if you have Cleary and you wanted a good cheaper option as well, at halfback, if you wanted to really stack that halfback slot, he could be a, a go-to man. Definitely.
1: Or, yeah, it depends how risky you want to be. If you just want to spend the cut price, he may be an option early. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, run that Sexton race at your own risk. So, too, uh, a cheaper priced option that gives you that dual position eligibility as well is this man who returns to the NRL Uh, This year, Jackson Hastings, uh, $350,000 and uh, unable to really pull any figures around his uh, performances in the English Super League the past couple of years. But uh, I think he won a man of steel one of his seasons he was over there and looks to come back to the NRL. Definitely a more mature player. And the West Tigers will need that. They'll need a general to get him around the field while Adam Dewey's not there.
2: Yeah, but... Oh, I don't know. It's a big risk. Um, I don't. I've seen a lot of people sort of saying that the Tigers are going to go well with Brooks and Hastings as the halves, but why? I, Hastings was good in England, but it doesn't mean much for over here. Um, I'd definitely rate, sort of wait and see, see how he goes. Baptism, baptism of fire against Melbourne. Um, mm. maybe just wait and see how he goes in the first week. He could get in the minuses.
1: Wow. Uh... I guess the the one thing uh, the one good thing about having Hastings back well if you're playing with him in your super coach team uh that is is I thought he'd be priced around the 440 450,000 to start and just going off what we've seen in in years gone by at the roosters I think it was 2017 or 16 um he led the, led them around he was the half back um I think it was when Pierce was out with uh, the dog scandal um and he average around fifty-five. So it's not a bad knock. If he's kicking goals suddenly as well, and that was without goal kicking. I think Latrell was kicking goals for the Roosters at that point. So that was without goal kicking. So if he is kicking goals to start the year and he can average sixty, I mean that's a win at that price. But yeah. Are the Tigers scoring five tries a game like the Roosters are? Probably not.
2: Well that's the thing. I'm probably being a little bit harsh on Hastings. I'm sorry. I'm sure we'll go in the positive in round one. But um we both don't rate the tigers you know we haven't for a few years and we look i look at their squad this year i just don't see much much strike power or anything really so i just don't really want to be on a halfback in a bad team i guess i'm trying to say
1: yeah yeah it's a risk isn't it and um well especially if you're going off uh an average from geez what is that now six seasons ago and hoping he- just replicates that he could be worse as you say he could show out 30s and would you be surprised at the West Tigers no nah, maybe not I mean he may have one attacking stat make 15 tackles and there's 35 points and would you be shocked not really so uh, a risk but definitely one I think there's more upside there than downside. He he may not lose you a lot of cash at that price, but I don't think you can be expecting big scores, like we say there, uh, that we saw at the Roosters. Well, not even big scores, just solid scores. Uh, Speaking of young halfbacks uh, finding their feet in the NRL, Hastings did that at one stage, and Blake Taff. Now, we expect him to play a bit of halfback Tommy or fullback. Uh, Probably plays fullback to start the year, but dual position. We'll speak about him today. We spoke about him a little bit in our fullback preview, but Blake Taff. Yeah, I think he's going to be a real popular pick to start the year.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, almost first pick, really. First pick cheapy for me uh, because you know he's going to get a start at fullback with Luttrell out. And then, you know, having played a grand final already and um, like played well, you'd think he's going to get a spot somewhere in the team after Luttrell's back. So he's uh, in my halfback reserve spot. And I think he's really just a must-have in your, in your team somewhere.
1: Gives you some flexibility there as well. He's cheap enough. There's no, I guess there's no downside really, is there? He's not going to lose a lot of cash even if he has you know really bad games. South's uh, tough start to the year. We sort of mentioned this as well about Lachlan Elias the other day. If he does come out of the block slow in, you know, games two, three, four of his career, they can fall back on tap. So we've seen that he's handled himself on the big stage. I think he was probably one of their better players. In the grand final there's questions over will he be able to catch the high ball and Nathan Cleary's high ball I think he had a tough uh first was it the qualifying final he might have put a couple down but he bounced back didn't he um uh, without the troll there Lachlan Elias he's going to be another popular pick I think as the game opened up today he was the most popular pick 58 percent owned and it's kind of like the Sam Walker effect of last year isn't it um just that cheap price and a lot of people will go Cleary Elias I think to start the new year
2: yeah, well, he's actually dual position as well at 5'8 and half-back. So I've managed to fit both Ilias and Taff into my team. I just think Ilias will obviously play the first two weeks as well with uh, Latrell being out. He'll play at half-back with Taff at the back. So I don't know who wins out after Latrell's back. What do you see happening there?
1: Yeah, again, I sort of um, you know gave a little bit of a crystal ball prediction of how it could play out at Souths, uh, juggling these two young guns and I don't know. They've obviously got raps on him. They've anointed him the, the heir to the throne, um, so to say. Um, you know, Put the confidence in him to take over from Adam Reynolds in the seven. He'll get first crack. So uh, could be a rough start, though. And he might play a mixed role there with Taff. So a bit of a wait and see there. Oh, it's funny I mentioned that name, um, Sam Walker. I was saying to you the other day, what a blessing it was in disguise to have someone like Sam Walker, $173,000, go on to play most of the season. And he never really looked in doubt. From the moment he came into grade, I think, you know, a couple of games he looked injured, but, and he got rested, I guess, towards the, the real late start uh, part of the season. But for that good chunk of, of uh, time, he was the seven. So we're hoping for something like that with Ilias or Taft, just some, some consistency in the South Seven.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know, like you say, if we'll actually see you know, the meteoric rise of a walker because I think we all made about 500000 out of him last year. It was, it's ridiculous, really. If you're on there from the first week, he, he went up so much. Um, but, look, you'd just be happy with players like Taff and Ilias to make a little bit of money in the early stages of the season and then move on to bigger and better things.
1: Okay, uh, that considered, uh, which way are you swaying? I think I know who you're with for rounds. One at least, well, at least at round one, uh, as we record this late January, which is kickoff is still some seven weeks away, I think. Um, who's your halfbacks and your 5'8s for that matter uh, as we go to air?
2: Yeah, well, with Cleary, uh, obviously I've sung his praises enough. I just think he's the player you need to have. I've got Taff as the reserve halfback. I think he's just guaranteed a start, so make some money there, hopefully. I do have Munster in at 6, but as I said before, maybe I'm starting to second-guess that just for the first round. Uh, maybe someone like Johnson could come in. And then I've got Lachlan Elias as uh, the 5'8 uh, reserve. What about you, mate?
1: Yeah, um, 3 out of 4, the same there. I've just gone with Keery, purely at the price. I think there's some upside there. And yes, his career average sort of hovers around 60. Um, but I, I think that there is definitely some value there to be had in those first couple of rounds. If they can start strong and the Roosters traditionally start their seasons pretty strong I feel and they'll be keen to have him back alongside Tedesco and co. Tommy, we've gone for over an hour uh, today, so uh, big thanks to you for jumping on as well and uh, plenty to look forward to as well in the coming weeks, isn't it?
2: Yeah, we'll get through the rest of the positions. Uh, Obviously, still some big talking points to have and then before we know it, we'll be into the trial matches and whatnot. So, plenty to talk about. The season's only six weeks away. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is the Supercoach365 podcast. We'll see you soon.